And now, WMCA proudly presents the Mystery Theater. inherit the earth, it is written. It is also believed that the weak shall ultimately triumph over the strong. Of course, the word to pay attention to here is ultimately. While it's reassuring to know that the meek shall inherit the earth in the long run, it's pretty discouraging to realize that we're in for a long, long wait. You and I probably won't even be around to see it. But perhaps in a century or two, things will really start rolling. But why? Because it's wrong to be in love with an enemy. An enemy? One who can destroy an entire world is called an enemy. What world? My world, Manatu. But why? How would I destroy your world? So easily, you would not even know you were doing it. mystery drama, The Magic Stick of Manitou, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Victoria Dan, and stars Kia DeLay and Fred Gwynn. I'll be back shortly with that one. A million stars glitter against the black velvet sky like gems in a jewel case. Through the thick, domed window, it is obvious that there is also a magnificent party. The guests wear their most dazzling gowns and the most elegant silver and crystal ornament the tables. And why not? This is the most glamorous event of the social season. But we are not atop the highest hotel in New York City. Nor are we in London or Paris. It is 300 years in the future. And we are not even on Earth. Would Madame care for another drink? No, thank you. A glass of champagne, perhaps? No, nothing, please. Oh, uh, just a moment. Uh, yes, madame? How do I get out of here? Madame wishes to leave? Yes. Madame is not enjoying the party? No. Perhaps madame would care for some fresh air. Fresh air? Through the corridor, there is a small terrace. If madame would just turn left at the end of the passageway... Why don't you show me? I am just a waiter. Oh, you'd rather not. I did not say that. I merely stated that I am just a waiter. Oh, really? I, I understand. Madame, you do not understand. <laughs> Don't call me Madame. It sounds like I'm 10,000 years old. My name is... I know your name, Miss Aberdeen. Right now I feel 10,000 years old, and I bet I'm younger than you. You're quite correct. And I'm not bad looking, either. You are... The loveliest woman in the galaxy. Oh. For, forgive me, I have spoken too much already. No, 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 that's all right. It's oh, just that I... There you are. Oh, Mr. Brock, were you looking for me? Yeah, was, was I looking for What kind of a question is that? Of course I was. What do you want? I was just refilling Madame's glass, sir. Yeah. Well, how long exactly does that take? You've been loitering here for almost five minutes. If you will excuse me. That was extremely rude of you, Mr. Brock. Listen, the man is not employed to mingle with the guests. Well, that's none of your business. He was mingling with you, Miss Arrow, and that 
is my business. What does that mean? Well, someone in your position. Must we go through that again? Now, look. You are a diplomat and there are certain codes of behavior. No one tells me how to behave. Do you understand that? No one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You forget who you are, Miss Apple. The Minister of Culture for this entire quadrant of the galaxy. You represent... It's hardly necessary to furnish me with a job description. Well, sometimes you need to be reminded that you are no longer a performer. I am reminded every day. And that this is not the dance theater of Mars. Every day, every hour, every moment. How could I forget? And also, the conduct that might have been perfectly acceptable in a traveling ballet company is considered quite bohemian for the Minister of Culture. (laughs) Bohemian. There's a word you don't hear anymore. (laughs) It's disturbing that you don't take any advice more seriously. Oh, how can I? You presume a great deal, Mr. Brock. Well, I feel it's my duty. Your duty is to represent the Ministry of Trade. I think you'd have enough to worry about without concerning yourself with the Ministry of Culture. I want to concern myself about the Minister of Culture. Mr. Brock. Listen, in the past six months that we have traveled together on this government mission... Mr. Brock, we have already discussed this. uh, We have been going from planet to planet and spending so much time in the same spaceship. Speaking of the spaceship, aren't we supposed to be taking off in the morning? You're changing the subject. I've been nervous about it all night. Nervous about what? Manitou. Oh. Oh, Manitou. I mean, the next planet on our agenda. How can you stand there and act so blasé? It's just another class seven planet. Just another... Listen, Brock. I've made up my mind. I'm not going. What? You're not going? Don't try to change my mind. You should hear what they're saying about that place. I can't imagine what you've heard. Manitou is a peaceful little world. Inhabited by gentle, uh, primitive humanoids. Forgot to add that visitors have a strange habit of disappearing once they get there. Nonsense. I was talking to the Governor General tonight. He informed me that his sphere of influence is limited. He cannot guarantee our safety once we land on Manitou. You worry too much. Well, somehow I don't think it is just gossip. Uh, Well, believe me, if it were that dangerous, the government would not send us there. I'm not so sure. What exactly does that mean? We are expendable. (laughs) Miss Apple. What are we? We're just a part of a succession of diplomats. We're not irreplaceable. Mm. Speak for yourself. Well, I guess you wouldn't understand, Mr. Brock. That's why we've always had this problem. What problem? Communicating. And now, if you'll excuse me, I really think I need some fresh air. Miss Avery. Oh, it's you. I saw you leaving the party. Lovely out here, isn't it? Yes, lovely. I'm so sorry about the way Mr. Brock spoke to you before. It is of no consequence. You won't get into trouble for being out here, will you? That, too is of little consequence. <laughs> what is of any consequence? Only that your mind be set at ease. How do you know that my mind isn't... You are afraid. You have heard stories about a place you are to visit. 
That's right. It is called Manitou, fifth planet from the sun. Yes. The stories that you have heard, that some who go there never return. Well, people talk very loudly at parties, don't they? These are very old stories. One hears them all the time. You mean they're not true? No, they are true. Well, that does it then. I'm definitely not going. That would be a mistake. Why? Because perhaps if you went there, you wouldn't wish to come back. You... You sound as if you've been to Manitou. I have. You? Don't look so astonished. I have traveled extensively throughout the galaxy. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Of course not, Miss Avedon. It is not in your nature to be unkind. But to explain about my traveling, you see, I spent ten years as a steward on some of the great space cruisers. I've been to the Beta Hedra system, to Centauri, to Mars, and even Earth. And that's where I first saw you. You saw me before tonight? It was in the city of uh, Omaha. You were performing in a ballet called, I believe, Swan Lake. Yes, Swan Lake. I don't think I've ever seen anything so beautiful. Well, those days are over. Forgive me. I should not have stirred old memories. They're over. They'll never come back. I'm sorry to have spoken of it. And so the government gives me a consolation prize in recognition of my contribution to the arts. I am appointed Minister of Culture at Large. And I'm supposed to be honored because I've been recycled. Grateful because I'm still alive. After all, as everybody keeps telling me, not many people survive accidents like the one I was in. You were saying about Manitou. It can be a frightening place. I thought you wanted to set my mind at ease. It can also be a joyful place. A gentle place. I'm confused. That is why you must go there. To clear up your confusion. Why do I get the impression that we're talking about two different things, Mr. I don't don't know your name. Idri. Well, Mr. Idri. It is just Idri. Oh, how unusual. Not where I come from. And where do you come from? Miss Averill, perhaps you should be returning to the party. Aren't you going to answer my question? Your colleague, Mr. Brock, will be wondering where you have gone. Let him wonder. But I assumed... You assumed what? I was under the impression that... Yes? You and he... (laughs) Our relationship is strictly professional. Ah. I am pleased to learn of this. Are you? I beg your pardon, Miss Avedil. I should not be out here talking of such things. Oh. Uh, I see. No, I don't believe you do. It's because I'm a cabinet minister. And you're a level three food attendant. No. And of course, like everybody else in this part of the galaxy, you're obsessed by some idiotic class system. The truth has nothing to do with insignificant arbitrary social stratifications. Then what is the truth? The feelings that I have, that I've always had for you, are wrong. You mean you've always... Why? Why are they wrong? Because it is wrong to be in love with an enemy. An enemy? 
one who can destroy an entire world is called an enemy. What world? My world. Manatu. Ask the strange question, and it seems you always get a strange answer. The words love and enemy, one must admit, are not commonly found in the same sentence. According to Mr. Oscar Wilde, however, a man cannot be too careful in his choice of enemies. And this man called Idri, it appears, has not exactly gone out of his way to avoid Miss Avril. Precisely what he has to fear from her will have to wait until I return with Act Two. The year is 2,288. And not only has man flown his rockets to the moon, but he has also succeeded in sending his spacecraft to Mars, Jupiter, and solar systems beyond. Earth colonies span the many asteroids and planets circling stars, other than the one we call the Sun. And on one of these small outposts, on a world too insignificant to mention, Miss Arlene Averill, a traveling diplomat, has just been confronted with a rather perplexing situation. One does not often receive a declaration of war and a declaration of love in the same breath. You come from the planet Manitou? Yes. Well, how can that be? You look... human. I could say the same thing about you, Miss Avalon. Well, it's just that I, I... I didn't realize that the natives of Manitou looked so much like... <laughs> natives? What an interesting word. Yes, we look like Earth people. Yet you are working here as a level three food attendant. It was necessary in order to meet you. And now that you've met me, you stand here and you call me your enemy. Yes. And you tell me that I can destroy you. No, that is not what I said. Oh? Miss Alena Averill, the woman, cannot destroy me. Miss Alena Averill, the minister of culture, can destroy my world. Why do you say these things to me? I've done nothing. I've said nothing. It is not what you have done. It is what you will do. Tomorrow, you and Mr. Brock will travel to Manitou to investigate the possibility of establishing diplomatic relations. And that makes me your enemy. Possibly. But our intentions are peaceful. I explore avenues of exchange between civilizations. You see, every planet has something unique to contribute, to share. Sometimes it's art, or dance, or music. Yes, music. On Manitou, our music is our greatest joy. Yes, but no one knows of this, not even I until now. With good reason. And if one possesses a thing of beauty, what could be better than to share it with others? Some things are private, personal. They are not meant to be shared. That is why your good intentions can be dangerous. Petri, this doesn't make any sense. Because we have not added the final ingredient. Mr. Brock, the Minister of Trade. What function does he perform? He negotiates trade treaties on behalf of the Galactic Colonial Council. That assumes the people of Manitou wish to trade. Well, why wouldn't they? And what exactly would we be trading? Well, I don't know. I mean, whatever valuable resources your planet has to offer. In exchange for what? Anything you want. 
And what if we do not want anything? <laughs> Surely you need certain things. Money, food, medical... We support. do not need these things. Well, of course you do. Everybody does. Then you have decided. Yes. And you are coming to Manitou. Yes. Actually, I have no choice. My orders are to proceed there as soon as possible. I also have no choice. What do you mean? Shouldn't that be obvious? I am going with you. Captain, why this interminable delay? Uh, we're operating with half a crew, Mr. Brock. Half a crew? That's outrageous. Uh, a lot of men called in sick. You know how it is. No. No, I'm afraid I don't. Well, actually, it's to be expected. I assure you, we don't often have this problem, but we always have it on this particular route. Nobody wants to go. I don't understand, Captain. A lot of the men are afraid, sir. Afraid? Afraid of what? I'm sure you know all the stories. Captain, that's all they are. Stories. Ah, uh, not quite true. The past ten years, I'd say we've lost about a dozen crewmen. What do you mean, lost? Exactly what I said. The ship stops off on Manitou. A few of the guys want to take a look around, stretch their legs. Some of them never come back. Well, what do you think happens to them? I don't know. If you want the truth, I'd rather not think about it. Well, you don't suppose they're killed, do you? Yeah, we're about ready to leave, sir. I suggest you secure the liftoff. food dispenser. I programmed it for roast beef, and all I got is scrambled eggs. Doesn't anything work on this ship? I'll see what I can do about it, sir. Pushing all the buttons you want, it doesn't do any good. I already... Hey. Hey, wait a minute. It appears to be a faulty circuit. I'll send up a technician. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're that waiter. Yeah, last week at the reception on Epsilon 40. What are you doing on this ship? As you can see, I work here. Hmm. You certainly get around, don't you? Actually, I am on my way home. Now, why should that interest me? My home happens to be your destination, Manitou. You mean you live there? I was born there, Mr. Brock. Born there? Hey, then that would make you one of the natives. That word again. Yes, Mr. Brock, I am one of the natives. And I recommend you talk to me with a little less belligerence and a little more tact. After all, you are a diplomat. Uh, well, so what does that have to do with you? It might interest you to know I am to serve as your guide, the liaison, if you will, between your government and the people of Manitou. On whose authority? My credentials, Mr. Brock. But since they're not written in the universal language, I hardly expect you to understand them. Oh, all right. Well, I'll take your word for it. So, uh, what happens when we land? That depends. On what? On whether or not my people like you. Listen, this is my business. I don't care if they like me or not. That won't do. Oh, no, sir, that won't do at all. 
The tone in your voice is most irritating. Yeah, well, that's the way I talk. There's nothing I can do about that. I suggest you try. My people are very sensitive to sound. Yeah, well, I can't help that. What do you want me to do? Get a new voice? Perhaps if you spoke a little softer, a little gentler. I don't need you to tell me how to speak. We will be landing later in the afternoon. Until then, Mr. Brooke. Please, come in, Elena. I mean, Miss Arabin. I didn't even know you were aboard. It is a rather large ship. And you have obviously been avoiding me. Perhaps. I found out from Brock that... Is it true that you are the official liaison? Yes. And what's going to happen? As I told your colleague... It all depends. On what? On you, Miss Avril. Huh? One minute it's Arlena, and the next minute it's Miss Avril. Now make up your mind, Idri. I cannot. I thought you cared about me. I do. You certainly don't act it. I love you. I want to protect you. But I also love Manitou and wish to protect it. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that I might have to make a choice between the two. But why must there be any choice at all? Elena, I beg you to reconsider. When we land on my planet, stay aboard the ship. But I've got a job to do. I haven't been completely honest with you. There is something that you must know about Manitou. What? When I first spoke to you the night of the party, I said our music was our greatest joy. Yes, I remember. But when I told you that we did not like to share with others this special gift, it was not quite true. My people are more than willing to share their music with others. Oh, that's wonderful. Then there isn't any problem. It is Mr. Brock. I hope when the time comes that you will understand this. When what time comes? I cannot tell you anymore. When what time comes, Idri? Tell me. Please. Mr. Brock, now that we've landed on Manitou, I'd like to remind you and the members of your party that we cannot be responsible for your safety. You have reminded me during the entire trip, Captain. This ship will remain here for one week before continuing on to the next destination. Uh... If you want my advice... Captain, I'm not interested in your advice. Uh, Miss Avril, we're waiting for you. I'm right here, Mr. Bronk. Where's that self-proclaimed guide of yours? Behind you, sir. Uh, uh, yeah, well, how about we get a move on, hmm? As you wish. I've only got a week. That's quite true. Yeah, just one week to see if this place has anything worth negotiating a treaty about. Indeed, sir. One week is certainly all the time you have. Mm, so, so where is everybody? Who? Your natives. Ah, oh, that word again. Yeah, and the buildings. Don't you have any buildings? Houses? Huts? Beyond that hill, in the forest. Mm. How 
primitive are your people, Idri? Very, by your standards. Are you quite sure you wish to accompany us, Alena? <laughs> so now it's Alena. Yes, I'm sure. What's that? The drums are playing a welcome. That's a good sign, isn't it? It is not a welcome for you. It is a welcome for me. Well, what are, what are we waiting for? How about taking us to your leader? Very well. Follow me. Okay, how much further is it? Only through this glade. You suppose that we could just rest for a moment? We are almost there, Alina. Is, uh, is this it? We are here. Yeah. Not much of a town, is it? I think it's lovely. Thatched cottages, flowers. It reminds me of a storybook. That's, that's what it's like, an old-fashioned storybook village. Yeah. So these are your people, huh? Yes. Awfully quiet, aren't they? They cannot speak until the king has spoken. It is the custom. Which uh, one is the king? The one with a beard three feet long? <laughs> he must be 200 years old if he's a day. No, that is Tashti, the great sage. Where is the king, Idri? Actually, Aleda, he's right here. That's something else I did not tell you. I am the king. The time has come to talk of many things, said the walrus. Of shoes and ships and sealing wax. Of cabbages and kings. Of course, in our story, we are only interested in the last item. Our enigmatic friend, Idri, seems to be delivering one surprise after another. As long as we're quoting Mr. Lewis Carroll, it's safe to add that things are becoming curiouser and curiouser. Where exactly their lead is anybody's guess. Until I come back shortly with Act Three. A favorite theme in legend and folklore concerned princes and kings who, tiring of their lives at the royal courts, would don elaborate disguises and travel about the land incognito. Three hundred years in the future, we have just been introduced to another such king. Instead of traveling the land, however, he has traveled the galaxy. But this story is not exactly a fairy tale. In fact, in a moment, you may discover that what it actually resembles is a nightmare. You're the king. Is this true, Idri? Yes. Why didn't you tell me? It was not important. Huh. I didn't even know this planet had a king. It was not necessary for you to know. Yeah, well, you could have saved me a lot of time and trouble. We could have negotiated our trade agreement back there on Epsilon 40. The people... What are they saying? It is Mr. Brock's voice. What about my voice? My people find it disturbing. What word may I use? Uh, dissonant. Oh. oh, how beautiful. I've never heard music like that before. Sounds like an ordinary flute to me. No, 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 Mr. Brock. Can't you tell the difference? As far as I'm concerned, a flute is a flute. Oh, it's like saying a dancer is a dancer. 
Well, there are ordinary dancers, and then there are extraordinary dancers, and there's a world of difference. World of difference. The instrument being played by that boy is called a layer. Layer? How beautiful. In our language, it means magic stick. I know now what you meant when you said music was your greatest joy. Oh, Idri, you must allow your people to share that music with the rest of the galaxy. Our music is a very private, personal thing. Oh, it's so lovely. Leia, magic stick. Even the instrument itself is beautiful. What's it made of? Carved so exquisitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all very lovely, but very quaint. Do you think we can get down to business now? I don't believe you're making a very good impression, Mr. Brock. You really must try to be a little less discordant. I have told you my people are very sensitive to sound. Listen, my voice is my voice, and there's not much I can do about it. There is one thing you can do about it. What? Not talk. Now look here, you... Um, your Highness... I sincerely recommend you take my advice, Mr. Brock. Tashti! Uh, welcome home, your most reverend Highness. It is with great delight that I return, most noble and wisest father. Who are these strangers you have brought among us, Idri? Tashti, I present to you... Arlena Avril. Ah, a most melodious name. And this is Mr. Brock. Brock. This is a name with a voice to match, I fear. We will not speak of this now. Uh, forgive me, Your Majesty, but... Later, Tashti. Uh, Something wrong, Ike. No, no, nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> Elena. Good morning, Ike. Have you seen Mr. Brock? I believe he went for a walk. A walk? Mm-hmm. That sweet old man, the one called Tashti. He's showing him around. You do not seem as unhappy as you were that night, Aromaklan 40. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Perhaps it is because you do not feel the pain anymore. What pain? You are a dancer who can no longer dance. Oh. That pain. I remember that pain because I know it all too well. Oh, how could you possibly know what it feels like? To fly, to float, the magic, and then to lose it all because of some senseless, stupid accident. Oh, modern medical science is a wonderful thing. Afterwards, there were just no scars and barely any limp. But that imperceptible something the magic was taken away and I was left ordinary but Alena I know what it is like to lose the magic oh how can you you see I too had a gift my gift was music listen do you hear that boy play Ten years ago, I played in such a way. It was magic. And just like you, I flew 
my heart touched the top of the trees, the stars, and one day, I too had lost it. My hand was badly crushed in an accident, every bit as senseless as yours. But there are no sophisticated doctors on Manitou. And later, as I traveled through the galaxy, the hand and the fingers were replaced. But the magic was gone. Oh, I'm so sorry, Adri. I had no idea. I... I left my people, my planet, to seek out new magic. I found it the first time I saw you dance. Oh. And later, in a museum which houses many great art treasures of Earth, I saw the magic in some ancient paintings. And suddenly the pain was gone, Alena, because I knew the magic was still there. Maybe not in me, but somewhere else. I think I understand. That's why I wanted you to come here, to hear the magic. But... Idris, something is wrong, and I think you better tell me what it is. Alena, I told you before, we are a primitive planet. Our culture, Alena, is primitive. Idris, what is it? It is something terrible. Terrible? Haven't you wondered how we make this beautiful music? How we make the layer? Why it is called the magic stick? I think you had better tell me. Alena, you will find out soon enough. Hey, Dashty. Slow down, will ya? You wish to see as much of the forest as possible in as short a period of time, and I am obliging you. Yeah, yeah, all right. Just give me a minute, too, to catch my breath, will ya? What is that machine you are using? It's, uh, it's called a mineral indicator. A what? It shows the exact location and quantity of various metals and precious stones. Ah. Hey. Hey. You know, we're standing right over the richest norenium vein in this solar system. How uh, interesting. Uh, what is uh, norenium? Norenium? <laughs> it's used to power our spaceships, Tashti. And over there, over there, about 20 feet down, is more gold. Ah, ah, ah. Obviously, you place a great deal of value in these things. So this is better than I hoped for, I'll tell you. Really? Oh, boy. Once we negotiate this trade agreement, your people are going to be rich beyond your wildest dreams. Rich? Yeah, rich. As in money. Money? What is money? It's a medium of exchange. What do you exchange? Whatever you want. Uh, all you have to do is name it. What if we do not want anything? Everybody wants something, Tashti. And you want what is under the ground. Uh, don't worry. I'm sure you and I can reach some equitable agreement. Ah. What if we are not interested in such an arrangement? Well, I'm sure then we could convince you. Convince us? We can use 
power when we're forced to. Only as a last resort, of course, Mr. Tashti. You see, we need that norenium. I see. And if you cooperate, we can work something out to our mutual advantage, yeah. If you know what I mean. Yes, I think I am beginning to understand all too well. Well, Miss Arrow, while you were busy doing nothing, I have spent the entire day putting together my report. And I may tell you, it is highly impressive. These savages are sitting on a treasure house. <laughs> don't even know it. Mr. Brock, I hope you showed a little tact. These people are very sensitive. <laughs> sensitive? They're like little children. You just can't bulldoze everything in your path. Why not? Th these people are living over the richest vein of norenium. Do you know how much money we're talking about here? And these people don't even care. Can you believe it? Money means nothing to them. Please lower your voice. You and I, Arlena, we can get a cut of this. Can you imagine how rich you and I can be? I don't want anything from you. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. You'd rather sit with that string bean who calls himself a king for reasons which completely escape me and, uh, and listen to music to charm snakes by. I simply don't understand you anymore. Now what? Most noble and reverend King Idri, your people have made their judgment. I implore the people to reconsider. We must protect ourselves from those who would encroach upon us. Yes, Tashti, I know. Do what you must. What is going on, Idri? Mr. Brock, you have been warned. What are you talking about? We did not invite you to our planet. You came here of your own volition. You did not ask permission. You simply came. And in doing so, you have greatly offended the people of Manitou. How have I offended anyone? You possess one grievous fault, Mr. Brock. You cannot or will not hear the music. I haven't got the vaguest idea. We ask you now to leave us. To walk down that path through the glade towards your spaceship and never return to us again. This is ridiculous. You cannot or will not hear the music. You people are crazy. Leave us. Leave us this moment. Your very presence here is offensive. Okay, okay, okay. Have it your way. I'll leave. But I guarantee you, I'll be back. I assure you, Mr. Brock, you will never return to us. That is, until you are a changed man. Imperial Highness, allow me to escort this man through the glade. I would not wish him to lose his way. Yes, Tashti. Show Mr. Brock the proper path. I don't understand what could have happened to Brock. 
Yes. It is very strange. The captain says he never arrived at the ship. How curious. And I wonder what could have possessed him to run so fast. Mr. Tashti says he couldn't keep up with the pace and fell behind. It is obvious that he has lost his way. Yes, of course, that's what it was. He lost his way, but... Idri, is it really possible for a person to simply disappear? Yes. Without absolutely a trace? Well, there is always a trace, I suppose. Ah, but now I see the captain is giving the signal to board. And you and I must say goodbye for the present. After I finish my tour of duty, I would like very much to return to this planet. And to me? Yes, Adrian. And to you. Oh, listen, listen, the music. It's more beautiful than I've ever heard before. It is a new melody. It has never been played before. It's superb. Truly. Magic. Also, it is a new layer. You know, Idri, you never did tell me what they carved the magic stick from. Bone. What kind of bone? Animal bone. What kind of animal? Elena, actually, that's an ancient Monitu secret. Perhaps one day, I will tell you. And who knows, maybe you will. Obviously, Miss Arlene Averill isn't the most observant person in the galaxy. Or maybe she's a lot smarter than we give her credit for. In any case, while it isn't obvious to her, it's obvious to me that while Mr. Brock never had a touch of harmony in his soul, he most certainly has music in his bones. I'll be back in a moment. said the poet, is the universal language of mankind. Mr. Longfellow probably had no idea how universal that language is destined to become. Radio waves now carry the music and sounds of Earth towards an infinity of uncharted worlds. Mankind messages travel on through the eternity called space. 300 years from today, who knows how far man himself will travel and what kinds of creatures he is destined to cross paths with. What is known, however, is that the greatest need of any civilization is to be able to communicate. Our cast included Kid Lay, Fred Gwynn, Marion Seldes, and Sam Gray. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. preview of our next tale. Please, I must see you. She's my fiance. Jack! I'm glad you got here. And the nurse won't let me see Lori. I came right over. Listen, Jack. He hurt her real bad. But don't you make a fuss. She's upset enough already. The doctor's given her something so she'll sleep. Lori? Uh, 
Oh, honey. Oh, don't. Don't look at me, Jack. She'll be all right. As soon as that swelling goes down. Oh, Lori, honey. I love you. Oh, Jack. I'm glad for something. You didn't lose that wild Texas temper of yours. No, I didn't lose my temper. I'm just as calm as can be. I just know now. I gotta kill him. This is Tommy Grimes, inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.